I got Jake on the line. Jake, what's up? How are we doing? Fantastic, Sam. Uh, it's a little bit colder here than in L.A., uh, but it's good to be back. It's good to be back for sure. I'm here yeah, in Kansas City. It's been a it's been a crazy year so far. Obviously, I joined the squad in March of 2021, and um, I think over overall the past like two years has has been pretty crazy. And I know we've we've known each other for a while for three four years now. You were like one of my first connections on LinkedIn, so it's it's cool seeing all of this come together. And I think it's been a been a plan for like three four years. We just didn't really know it or know kind of the the concepts or the the blueprint of it. So again, I've, I've had a ton of fun this year, um, learned, learned a ton, but definitely want to dive into kind of what you've learned throughout 2021, kind of post COVID post pandemic, um, how you've kind of changed, changed to the trend setters model, uh, any pivots. So to start off, what has been the biggest learning lesson of 2021 so far as we're wrapping up the year? Yeah. So I would say, uh, you know, the story most indicative of that is, you know, our move out to Los Angeles. So, you know, we get out there, we touch down in March, spend a couple of weeks, then we officially move out full time in May. And, uh, you know, the idea we originally had going in was more of this content house influencer model. As we spend more time there, we start looking at that industry overall and what's taking place there and realizing, you know, there's some cool stuff here, but I don't think any of it's going to last. I think this is a little bit of a bubble and I don't think anyone's thinking about things in terms of the long term. And so rather than chase the economics of today, you know, we really position ourselves for what is tomorrow? What's the future? Um, you know, as my favorite Russ lyric would say, like time is my investor. Um, you know, that's, that's the case when you're young, the best, you know, you could be the richest person in the world, but uh, the most valuable asset you have is going to be time when you're a young person. And so as we think about that being on our side and this incredible team that we have that, that is all youthful and, and thinking about the future, what we realized is we should not be focused on the economics of today and maximizing you know, today's revenue, today's impact. We should really position ourselves more for what is to come, what is tomorrow, where's all this leading. And so I think that that's, you know, that was a shift we realized right away. And whether we made that as a conscious or subconscious decision, what we ended up doing was developing exactly that. So making connections in the political arena and being in support system there for the fucking White House, um, doing the same thing with local government and ordinances, um, doing the same thing in a, in a variety of different industries and categories, bringing on a managing director who can support us in scaling business long-term, starting to look at business as less of a, of a monthly or even the economics of our business, but how do we create long-term value in the market um, that speaks to greater economics that is more so uh, in, in the financial markets? And, you know, there's going to be some things that happen over the next six to 12 months with trendsetters that people are going to be like, how the fuck did they do that? And the answer will be what we've been doing for the past three years, which is not just what we're doing, but how we've done it, always keeping an open mind. And, you know, I think an additional competitive advantage to being young is you keep an open mind and you understand that you don't have all the answers. And when you have that curiosity, it allows you to learn at such a greater capacity than anyone else. And when you're always learning, you're always opening yourself up to new opportunities and new ideas. And you do that and it compounds over, over years and even the day-to-day -day and the week-to-week -week and the month-to-month. -month. And before you know it, you got your hands in a million different projects and a million different ventures and you're at the center and epicenter of everything. And I think that's what we've done. And 
we will get recognition for it in three, six, 12 months. We're already getting recognition from those that know it, but what we're going to get recognition for is being the absolute hub of all things Gen Z, not just from a marketing perspective, which everyone knows, not just media, not just brands, not just influencers. That's what people see on the surface level, but all things economics, we're even talking about housing, policy, you name it. If it has to do with empowering this generation for more, that is what Trendsetters is, and that's what we're about. And it's so much more than just an agency. And people will soon wake up to that fact once they see so many things coming out. But I think that's what we learned, you know, getting out here. And that's the most important thing I learned in 2021. Yeah, and I think that's that's dope. And um, obviously, opportunities arise where where you least expect it sometimes. So when starting Trendsetters, good three four years ago, obviously you started as marketing agency, and it's bled into something so much bigger than uh, than just an agency per se. Have you always had this foresight of like, hey, this is where we're going? Or is it kind of like, hey, let's let's build the build the car or build the car as we go, build the rocket ship as we take off? Um, obviously, it's going to be a mix of both uh, with with any great business, with any business in general. But um, how how far in the future uh, when starting Trendsetters did you envision uh, where you were going and where you were you were building? Yeah, so I never had the vision of, of what it's created today, but what I did have the vision for was, I think the number one problem that entrepreneurs face that limits their potential is they set their goals personally and as a business solely around the growth of that business. Um, and when you do so, you limit your potential and your curiosity to nothing outside of the economics of that business. And we know this firsthand. I mean, how many friends, I mean, we're talking right now, you know how many names just, pop, just popped up in our mind for dudes that still think that way, guys and gals, right? Um, so I think what we've done is, is rather than look at, hey, let me focus on growing the business or let me focus on revenue. It's no, 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 no. How do we create impact? And when that is the, when that's the North Star, everything else tends to fall into place and that's how you get there. Um, I think the reality is if you, if I were to set a goal four years ago for what I wanted to do, there's no way it would match what we're doing today. And if it, and even if it was, I would have forced us into those pockets and that would be a, a, a much worse spot to be in because you wouldn't be aligned with what the current market and current world is and where it's going. So as we think about, you know, don't go to where the puck is, skate to where the puck is going. I think we position ourselves for that. And Trendsetters is simply the engine that fuels it and the economics of today, but more so it allows us to play in a world and almost in a sandbox where we're thinking about what will be developed in the future and how do we create the most amount of impact, not limited to the constraints of our own business. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, you tweeted a little bit ago, picture of, of Umar and uh, Brandon Marshall on Twitter, captioned something along the lines of, fuck the jockey, I'm betting on the horse, something something like that. Uh, could you explain that tweet a little bit of what you meant about uh, kind of betting on the on the horse or the, or the car or the car? Yeah, so, you know, there's this idea uh, from investors that you invest in the jockey you know, which is the owner of the business as opposed to the horse. And, um, you know, certainly that makes sense on paper and you should be investing in people, not businesses. And for me, it's not about people or businesses. What I'm making a bet on is the, who's doing the work. Jockey's not doing the work. The horse is doing the work. 
I'm going to bet on the practitioners. And I think what we're seeing as the barriers to entry dissolve to all these markets, what's going to happen is it's going to be easier to do the, the stuff that was once needed to have a jockey, whether you needed capital or operations or financing or you know, whatever it is that you need support on, strategic partnerships, retail, like the ability to sell on a shelf. Well, now shelves are, are digital and now capital is free flowing and you can get access to it or whatever you're creating doesn't require the capital that it once did. So when you take that into account, to me, in the future, there is no jockey. The jockey is the middleman. And certainly they provide the system and the guardrails and, and with where we're going. But that's what that's what really inspired me to push that out was, you know, I'm going to bet on the practitioner and Brandon Marshall is a perfect example of that. He's the one actually doing the work. He's not the, the idea guy, you know, even as a former professional athlete and guy that was worth quite a bit of money, right. He's not sitting around telling other people what to do and not doing anything on his own. He's filming all the time. He's all over the place. He's always working, always working out, always building a facility. He is in the trenches day to day. And that's what I wanted to issue with that message is, there's no more value in just being a strategist. You have to be a practitioner and you have to be the one actually out there doing it. And if you're not doing it, you're not going to be able to, to survive in, in tomorrow's economy. Yeah. And I think that's, that's such a good point. Um, I was w- listening to a podcast with uh, Tom Billy the other day, uh, just talking about NFTs and he's on an NFT panel with six or seven other kind of industry experts in that space. And um, he was saying how uh, over the next few years, there's going to be a ton of orphan NFT projects, meaning there'll be a ton of great designers and coders and developers that will create these projects, um, get 10, 15,000 people on board, have 70, 80, 90, hundred million dollars of, of revenue coming, coming in or uh, first just capital in general. But once you have $50 million, $100 million coming in, that's a business. That's a big business. And you need to learn how to run that. And developing a project or creating art is so much different than running an actual business. So to your point, um, it's, the, it's the horse all day. It's, it's who's, who's actually executing, who's actually doing these things and, and in, in the trenches who will, who will win. And I think that's why, that's why Gary's so, so big right now. Obviously, he's been, he's been preaching just like, clouds dirt like being the dirt get your hands dirty um this this whole time and i think it's cool seeing him win in the nft space just because it's he talks about the same exact thing over and over and over again but just formatted in little different ways um so it's it's cool seeing the friends kind of kind of blow up um but curious to see if you have any any specific thoughts on web3 metaverse nft space um i know we're we're diving into that heavy and Again, it's, it's interesting to see kind of where the space will be in the next 12, 18, 36 months or so. Um, it's definitely going to disrupt uh, social as we know it, media as we know it, and really just society in, in general. So curious to hear your thoughts on Metaverse, Web3, crypto, anything there? Yeah, so let's start with the current definition of Web3, which all the attention is going towards DeFi, crypto, and NFTs. Um, I think... Uh, I think the majority of the, well, 90 plus percent of the NFT market is complete and utter bullshit. Yep. Um, this idea that there's somehow inherent and intrinsic value in art that has no utility, you know, is it different from any physical art? No, not at all. But to me, there's no value in art either. Uh, it's what the market will pay for it. You know, however, I think uh, that and the crypto space have been used way too much as a way to, you know, both those markets have been used way too much as a means of just pumping up something and then and then dumping it and making money 
<clears throat> and I know a lot of people in the space that have incredible, incredibly successful projects. And even if the morals are aligned, <clears throat> Jesus. Kansas City weather. Oh, I know. <laughs> All right, let me re-answer that. Yeah, so Web3, I mean, to start, I think our current definition of Web3, there's way too much focus on uh, DeFi, all these crypto shit coins, uh, NFT, of which 90 plus percent of the projects aren't really worth anything. So it's creating almost a, a it, it's, it's creating a really bad taste in, 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 in the market for what Web3 is actually about. To me, what's most captivating about Web3 is going to be two primary vehicles. One is going to be DeFi and how that actually scales out, not as uh, pump and dump crypto that people use, but like how can DeFi actually bring equity and equality to households across not only America, but the entire world? Um, that's a question. And uh, there's a lot that, that, by the way, a lot in the crypto space that promote that. Like we're all about equity and equality and whatever. And that's why we're doing this really just so they can pump their own stock, which to me, that is like the, the worst sin ever to put on a front for moral good when really just want to reward yourself financially. But number two, in the bigger pocket is to me, virtual reality. Uh, to me, you know, I've been developing some VR stuff in high school. Um, I always know, knew that it was going to be a really big space and it's, it's inevitable. It's just a matter of once it, it becomes more consumer savvy, we need to understand how VR scales though. Um, right now, the, the cost to develop is high, but that was also the case to design a fucking website in 1999. And just like today, 20 years later, how much does it cost to develop a website now? Like five bucks a month on like Wix, right? And you can have a better website than you would have developed 20 years ago. So VR will follow the same trajectory. The cost will become ultimately like incredibly low. And along the way, we will immerse the gamification world, the entertainment industry that will all move into VR. And the end consumer for that is going to be a younger Gen Z and a Gen Alpha. And we need to understand that because until we understand where the end consumer base is, it's impossible to see how these things scale. But the iPad generation, the generation that they were born and shoved you know, with an iPad in their face, which by the way, that wasn't you and me necessarily. It was five to eight years younger than us and everything beyond that. So to me, the, the VR, VR will not take off until that generation uh, has like consumer products that are actually driven towards them. But once it does, it's going to take off and change everything. No more social media, no more mobile devices. It's all going to go away. Um, so yeah, Web3 is captivating. I think there's way too much focus on the whole NFT world, which to me is bonkers. And I think there's much more interesting stuff that, that we need to be thinking about in the Web3 world. History repeats itself. So just be careful uh, investing in any new new projects and cryptos and shit coins and, and everything. We saw it in 2017. We saw it in the housing market. We saw it in the tulip craze and late whenever tulip craze was. What is that? Late uh, 70s, 60s, 70s, maybe maybe earlier. But anyways, history repeats itself. So so watch out for that. Uh, wrapping up here, though, uh, we're, uh, we're right around the corner of 2022. 2021 was a huge foundational year. Um, I think for for everyone, it's really first year kind of post lockdown pandemic. Obviously, COVID's still going on, but that's definitely not a highlight of of this conversation. But going into 2022, anything specific that you wanna you wanna accomplish? Any specific goals? Um, uh, yeah, goals, focuses, visions for uh, for 2022. 
Yeah, I mean, Sam, you know me, man. I think goals slow people down. I don't like setting goals. I think it's stupid. I think you create fabricated things that are supposed to create some kind of sort of reward system. Like, who cares about a goal, yep. fabricated thing that you just make up to then hit? Um, and then even the act of goal setting, it's like, what are you even doing? So, you know, that said, in terms of goals, I would say it's more a narrative. And it's the narrative that I've been pushing forever. I have thousands of messages on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, all my social media platforms of Twitter, kids that are trying to figure out their place in the world. So they're, they're 17, they're 19, they're 22, they're 26. And they have fallen into <clears throat> the trap that I have to do this and I still have to live you know, in this world. And this is what provides the most security and opportunity for me. I'll just echo this piece of advice. There's more security in today's world in the unknown than the known. If you know your future and trajectory, you actually don't because that one is one that is going to be obsolete. But when we look at the Fortune 500, conservative projections count that in the next five to 10 years, 50% of the Fortune 500 will be replaced. So what do you think of all these companies in the middle, these insurance companies, all these middleman tech, you know, like sales for all this bullshit that we don't actually need salespeople for. All of that's going to be replaced. There's more security in the unknown than the known. So to go into a new venture and to think about the future of economics and where all of this is moving, <clears throat> that is something that you're not going to be able to learn, to learn that in a classroom because hardly any people know about it today, let alone like the current education system, which fails miserably at connecting to the current world so to me, that's my biggest thing. If I can push the narrative of go out, do it on your own, you don't have to start a business. You don't have to start anything. Go out and start to develop skills around things that not only you care about, but actually have a future in them. You know, don't do the things of yesterday. Um, you know, don't go to coding school because your parents said that was a good idea because, you know, in the early 2000s, they were pushed with that propaganda when you were first born. And therefore, they're convinced that like coding is still a big thing. Now there's no code platforms. Like you're, you're not going to need to know how to code. There's going to be AI doing all of that. Google is developing something where you can literally speak it and then it codes it for you. Like that is not the answer. Make sure that you are positioning yourself for the future because, you know, one of my favorite authors, you've all know Harari, he projects that, hey, we're going to live in a world in 2040 with a 30% unemployment rate and employers are going to be struggling to find talent. Why is that the case? It's because we have multiple generations that have been trained up in learning things that aren't at the same pace of the acceleration of technology. And because of that, we will have so much of our workforce that just doesn't know how to do shit in tomorrow's world. And that's the biggest fear. Build, do not prioritize short-term economics or security or you know that conversation at Christmas telling your parents that you're graduating so you get a fucking pat on the back. None of that shit matters when in 20 years you're going to be broke and on your own. You know, that's the reality. Facts, facts. Technology and innovation is definitely uh, definitely compounded and exponential to say the least. And uh, yeah, we're in for, uh, for a big change in, in society, culture, education, work, really everything. So exciting time to be alive. It is right around the corner of Thanksgiving. So that is it for, uh, for this episode. But Jake, thanks for uh, hopping on. Thanks so much, brother.